Hello and welcome to Hanks for the Memories. You've got a friend in us. This is episode 57. A beautiful day in the neighborhood from 2019. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm like, did you forget the name? Here's the weird thing about the name of the movie, because it's not It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. It's also, in the lyrics of the actual song, it's A Beautiful Day in This Neighborhood. So the title is incorrect, but I guess intentionally so. That was what I was pausing for, is a real The Talking Heads, Talking Heads situation I was having with that one. Yeah, man, but it's okay. We're nearing the end of Hanks for the Memories. we got one more movie. This is the penultimate movie in the series, In the Run. We've got only Greyhound his new Apple TV Plus movie. But Mike, if people have not seen A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which is available to stream on Stars, if you also pay for Stars like I do, or Stars on Amazon Prime, Mike, if people have not seen this, please hit us with a plot summary. Okay, it's 1998, and Esquire magazine journalist Lloyd Vogel is in a real negative space. He's getting into fights with his estranged father at his sister's wedding. Um, He can't get any assignments because all of his exposés are extremely negative, and he's just a general piece of shit for the most part. But he is sort of thrown a bone by his editor and has the assignment to interview none other than Mr. Fred Rogers himself, famed children's television host. And so thus begins Lloyd's transformation as he interviews Fred. He is sort of at first taken aback and later sort of bewildered by his openness, his generosity, and the fact that he's not playing a character that a person can simply be this nice for real. Like, it is not an act. And uh, the more he sort of gets to know Fred, Fred gets Lloyd to open up. Lloyd starts to build a relationship with his father, who he finds out uh, is dying. Fred helps Lloyd and his family through the end of his father's life and the end of the sickness. Overall, by the end, Mr. Rogers has helped Lloyd turned his life around as far as no longer is he a major asshole. Like, he's a genuinely pleasant person to be around, has a whole new outlook on life, and is ready to take on fatherhood. And Mr. Rogers just kind of walks away into the sunset? I don't know. We'll talk about it, but that's pretty much it. Now, I don't remember. Had you seen this movie before, or was this the first time? This was the first time. Yeah, I had not had the chance to catch it in theaters, and it was another one of those situations where we started the podcast, and I was like, I'll just wait for it. Yeah, okay. So what did you think of it? Well, actually, I guess the question is, did you know that it was going to be, I mean, we might have even talked about it on here. Mm -hmm. The contenders covered it. They talked about this on there because I prepped Iceland too. It's a weird movie. Like, it's not the movie you think it's going to be. What did you think of it? Were you ready for that? Did you know that was coming? And what were your overall impressions of A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? So you had sort of mentioned it along the way here and there where we talked about biopics a little bit and Hank playing historical characters and real life people and those kinds of things. And so I was prepared in a sense i was not ready for how much it's not mr rogers movie though like that took me aback dude like that was hard and i just want to say up front i never got used to hanks as mr rogers who did i i sent you a text you said mark rylance yes and rylance just has i think he has the frame a little better for it hanks is a little too big maybe a little wide no offense but like rylance also doesn't have to fake the patience in a way i felt that hanks was sort of struggling to take his time with a lot of the mr rogers stuff and it just feels like mark rylance would have just destroyed that part you know overall i liked it because of its themes i was 
was able to sort of get past uh, it being the Fred Rogers biopic and more of the Lloyd Vogel pick. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? But I was actually pretty surprised because it did what the circle could not. It got me to come around to this asshole person and kind of get on his side at a time. You know what I mean? And like, I give the movie a lot of credit for that. Yeah, so at the heart of this movie is Matthew Reese returning from the post, now firmly on the journalism side of things, as opposed to just being in a journalism movie. So I saw this in theaters, because I see most things in theaters where I used to before the the world ended. And I saw it again, and like, it's still so weird. And you were won over, but I feel like I never really got won over. I feel like he just kind of like instantly softens. And I feel his aggression and his frustration in interviewing Mr. Rogers and being like, can you please put the puppet down? I just want to talk to you. But like, I get, I, I side with him there, but I don't know that I ever really sympathize. And I feel like it's kind of like magic. And if the point of this movie is Mr. Rogers is magic, then like, cool, I get it. But I feel like it's a difficult thing. And I don't know if I was as fully won over by the evolution as you were. I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, I can totally see that. And I was not expecting to. I just think uh, Chris Cooper is amazing in the performance as his father. And as someone who sort of went through a bit of what the Lloyd Vogel character is going through in this movie towards the end uh, recently, like, I think that really hit me harder, right? And so I think I was maybe uh, blindsided from a couple of directions while watching this movie. And and that came through for me. Like, I think that went a long way. Uh, If you've ever gone through something where, like, your parent is mortally sick, this was depicted extremely well, I'll just say, very respectfully. And so maybe it was a lot of that coming through. I don't disagree with that perspective that you have, where it just sort of Mr. Rogers comes along, snaps his fingers, says a few magic words, uh, and like he's completely just like come around on everything. I don't dislike this movie. I want to make I want to make that clear up front. I haven't been in that situation. I know that you went through and I'm again sorry for that. I just I haven't been in that maybe it would hit me. I know everything that you experience, not you, but like the proverbial you affects everything that you see and experience and like everyday things, life things, movie things, whatever. Everything is seen through a different lens. And so I haven't had that experience, so I don't see that in that experience. I think Chris Cooper is good in this movie. Uh, apparently Chris Cooper and Tom Hanks have the same birthday, both July 9th, which is interesting. Wait, they're cousins, right? No. <laughs> no, but okay, so I do have the trivia about that, that Tom Hanks and Fred Rogers are sixth cousins, which is not exactly close. Okay, all right. I don't know exactly how that works, but yeah, sixth cousins. I don't know any of my sixth cousins, so... (laughs) Well, yeah, but uh, yeah. So this movie had been kicking around for like more than a decade, right? Or at least this script. I don't know when Marielle Heller was involved, but she was friends with Colin Hanks. And then she or she had worked with Colin Hanks. They were kind of friends. And then she went to a party and Tom Hanks was there. Like, I think a birthday party of some kind. And she pitched him on the movie, even though he had said, he had told his agents, I'm done playing real people. Don't send me these scripts. I don't want to do this anymore. But she pitches it. And so I guess because of the access or the pitch or whatever, because Marielle Heller has also made Diary of a Teenage Girl. And then Can You Ever Forgive Me, which is a movie that you and I saw together in a theater, right? That Melissa McCarthy movie. We saw that together, right? Oh, yeah. That's a very good movie. Okay. Yeah, we did. Yeah, so she had made those two movies, and so this, I think, you know, was going to be her next movie. This movie had been kicking around for a while. I think Hanks had read the script like 10 years earlier. He signs on. A year before this movie comes out, the documentary, Would You Be My Neighbor, right? All these, like, long titles. I keep getting, like, I'm having the the Mike Mancy disease right now. I'm like, I feel like I'm confident, but I'm not. So Would You Be My Neighbor comes out. They go see it together, Tom Hanks and Marielle Heller, and apparently that ends, and he turns to her and just says do we need to make our movie? Like, does our movie have a place? Because like, he was so impressed by that. And I wonder if, 
I mean, I haven't read the script. I don't know if this how the script changed. I wonder if that beating this to release changes this movie from being like the Mr. Rogers movie to being a movie with Mr. Rogers in it. That's interesting. All that information is very fascinating. Like, I can understand why Hanks would come around and be like, okay, I'm done, but then say like, oh, but Mr. Rogers, because he's so beloved and he's such an American icon. And so I could see Hanks being like, one more for the road. I'll do it for Mr. Rogers. That documentary is incredible. I think, Yep. yeah, you can't do the movie because that that is like pitch perfect documentary stuff. And I noticed that the movie, like, I don't know, maybe you're right. If you're right, I wish they kind of did a thing where it wasn't about him being interviewed, but maybe about, I don't know, other kind of charitable works or other ways to work him in as the second character and not the lead i don't know it was just kind of weird the way they framed it around him in the article and all that stuff but what i did kind of like about it is it isn't filled with mr rogers trivia uh they sort of touch on that at the end where the where the brother-in-law is like are you a sharpshooter do you have tattoos all over your arms and stuff but like they never talk about how fred rogers was a pastor Uh, they really don't get into a lot of his personal life they never go into like how he started his television show and those are the things that the documentary is like really worthwhile for in addition to so it's not even coming across as like a complimentary piece or like a double feature thing so that's making it even weirder for me (laughs) Yeah, like what the movie chooses to do, which I think is very interesting, is it kind of frames it almost like a Mr. Rogers episode. Like one of the weirdest things is how they open with him like peeking open those doors. Like here's my friend, here's this puppet, here's this puppet, here's my friend Lloyd, and he's got like the bloody nose, like the the cut up nose from the fight at the wedding. And I'm like, this is so weird and surreal. Like it's a Mr. Rogers thing, but like it's like a bloody man on there. I'm like, what? Where? What is this? And then like they show you how to make a magazine because Lloyd writes for Esquire or Vanity Fair or whatever he's writing for in this movie, and and they show like this is how a magazine is made and so it's like this kind of like this mr rogers episode to frame the movie all the establishing shots are like all the miniatures from his set which is i think is fascinating like there's a lot of interesting things here it's just bizarre to me like even knowing it was going to be weird i was like okay because i think we've talked about before how when you see a movie for the second time kind of knowing what it is knowing what to expect usually you'll like it more because you're, you're like okay like if you're on the fence maybe you're like okay i know what it's doing i know what to look for i know what not to look for i'm gonna dive in here and this time i was just like no it's it's just as weird it's just it's just as weird like me <laughs> knowing what's coming i was like no it's just as weird and not again i want to be clear not weird in a bad way but weird in a like this is a bizarre movie See, and that is my favorite stuff for some reason, maybe because it's so sort of off, not off-putting, but so off-kilter, like so against like uh, modern cinema structure. And then it just dives into your garden variety drama, which was really boring me all of a sudden. And it gets back and at one time to a surreal moment when the reporter Lloyd is like sort of uh, having a breakdown and he envisions himself as a character in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood and all that stuff was probably my favorite part. But they needed to push with the sort of playing with it that way a lot more. I think they grounded the drama too much, if that makes sense. I don't know. But there just needed to be a better way to balance this tone because I was digging the weird, but not the straight. So did you have a favorite moment? I guess it probably would be one of the weird elements, but if you had to pick a favorite moment in this movie, what would it be? Yeah, I think it's the moment actually okay so like specifically there's one shot where lloyd's on set and he's watching mr rogers perform daniel tiger and it's just this really great 
shot of a very slow zoom on Mr. Rogers performing as Lloyd is watching him. And I thought that was a really great moment. And there's several of them, like the filmmaking techniques in here are on full display. Like even when it gets weird, it works, um, that kind of stuff. So I like that specifically. And then like when Lloyd is sort of having that fever dream and he's in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood and he's like sort of shrunk down in the castle and he's sort of being assaulted by all of the imagery and everything. I thought those were interesting moments. Like there's genuinely interesting things going on here. I think I might have liked it more than you have in the end for reasons, but like, yeah, it's it's kind of all over the place. What I like about this movie, and I think I need to mentally come to terms with the fact that this is not really a Mr. Rogers movie. It's so weird. He's like Mary Poppins. I don't... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah? No, no, no. You're right. Because, like, I also made a note that, like, we've got Lloyd watching Tom Hanks on TV, watching Mr. Rogers on TV. Like, P.L. Travers is watching Walt Disney when she gets to the hotel, right? Like, it's still that yeah. viewing of that person. I also think it's weirder to me to see Hanks as Mr. Rogers more so than as Walt Disney or Sully or Captain Phillips. Maybe just because, like, I kind of grew up with Mr. Rogers, but, like, not really. Like, there were other things that were more, I guess, formative in my childhood, at least as far as I remember, right? But, like, I'm not one of those people who, like, has the these ingrained memories of Mr. Rogers. I just know that, like, I guess because he's more modern, not as modern as, you know, Sully or Captain Phillips, but, like, more modern or more well-known or whatever, like, the combination of his celebrity is such that I'm like, oh, it's weird to see another person play him, especially somebody that we're watching, and, like, I think he does a good job. I think Tom Hanks does a good job as Mr. Rogers. I think it's just weird, like, my brain, before I even get to my favorite part, like, I think my brain is just having a hard time being like, oh, no, that's... That's Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers. Like, I can sort of see both and neither at the same time. Yeah, man, I had a really hard time adjusting to Hanks as Mr. Rogers because he's too... I think it's a miscast because he's too iconic. Like, I'm expecting someone to eventually play Tom Hanks in a movie, you know? Like, the real-life character in a movie... It's tough. Like, I did grow up with a lot of Mr. Rogers. I think I was like, you know, in those early 80s, he was in his prime, I feel. Like, he might have just come back on the air. They mentioned in this movie it took a little hiatus to do a different type of show. But, like, yeah, I'll date myself right now. Captain Kangaroo, Romper Room, like, all this stuff. Like, Hanks would have been a better Captain Kangaroo, I think. He's a little more boisterous. He's a little more uh, sort of, like, wild and energetic. It just felt like Hanks never really... Not that he wasn't confident in what he was doing, but it felt like he almost settled for well i'm not gonna do it perfectly so i'll sort of do like a jim carrey-esque like impression where i'll nail two or three things about him and sort of rely in on those that's the way i sort of saw it i didn't really see it as like a total immersion or submersion it was more of like an homage or something it's hard to explain but the bottom line is i just couldn't i couldn't it was hard to handle it might have been my least favorite part of the movie to be honest with you I think one thing he does really well is he captures, and again, I don't know if this is the, I don't know how true this is to Mr. Rogers. In my mind, it works well, but he captures, like, the softness of what I would imagine Mr. Rogers to be. Like, he's so gentle and delicate and just soft-spoken and, like, contemplative, and it feels like, again, not knowing whether that's how accurate that is, it feels accurate to me. I kind of equate them as like the same kind of person in the way that they're very they their public image is that you know one is a, is the world's father right America's dad on film yep. and the other is America's dad on TV so like they almost have a lot in common in the way that the public views them as these sort of surrogate people who will give you guidance or if you just watch my work like it, you'll be okay or like you'll learn good lessons and things like that so again I was sort of just getting clashes of of their image 
ultimately for myself, whereas just like, oh, I don't know, Tom Hanks might not have been my favorite choice. I think my favorite part of this movie, though, and I think it goes with, again, what I sort of started this whole, like, weird roundabout trying to rationalize, is that if I'm able to consider this movie to not be a Mr. Rogers movie, but rather a movie with Mr. Rogers in it, I do like the sparingness with which they use him. And I think my favorite part is when he is introduced or meets or is seen by people who aren't Lloyd. Like, when Lloyd's wife, Andrea, answers the phone, and he's like, no, I want to talk to you. And she's like... Mr. Rogers knows my name. Or, like, at the end when, like, he walks into the the house, like, Chris Cooper's house, like, right before he dies, and then, you know, his wife or girlfriend or whatever, the relationship is there, the, the woman he's been dating for 15 years, is just like, holy crap, like, Mr. Rogers just walked in my front door. Like, I think it's those moments that really show what he meant to people. And it doesn't work as well for me when, like, on the subway, when, like, all the kids sing to him. And maybe that's just because it feels kind of hokier, but it feels like these smaller moments. It's like the one-on-one, like, we know that he's, like, this widespread kind of, like, magic to everyone. But I feel like the magic to one person, whether it's, like, the little kid with the oxygen tank on the set, the woman that Chris Cooper's been dating, or Andrea, or whoever, it feels like these small moments, I think, really showcase the importance of him. And I think that is probably my favorite part, because I think the way that Hanks acts it, the way that the actors respond to him, the way that it's captured, the way that it's written, I think all of that works really well. And I think that's super effective. And I think if you're not going to have a movie about Mr. Rogers, then yeah, like, let me see, like, his magic. He better bring it every time he's on screen. And I feel like in those moments, he does. Yeah, those are very interesting. I like those parts, too. Uh, I think mostly because Lloyd is not impressed with Mr. Rogers. Like, it almost comes across as he thinks, like, it's a scam or, like, he's putting people on. And that's just very kind of off-putting. And we get those other moments where everyone else in his life is like, no, you idiot, it's fucking Mr. Rogers, dude. Like, he's standing right here. Like, what's wrong with you that you're so jaded or, like, you know, pessimistic that you can't realize, like, who you're standing next to and, and, like, let that in and everything. So I think that is a really uh, important part of the movie in order to sort of for Lloyd to see himself, right, and be like, yeah, why why doesn't Mr. Rogers sort of elicit that same reaction in me? What's wrong with me? And hopefully, you know, along the way, he will gain some introspection on that. Now, on the other side of the coin, what is your least favorite part? Things that don't work for you. I think we've been talking about it in general, but is there something in particular that stands out to you that you're like, oh, that, ooh, nope, nope, nope? Well, there's nothing quite like that I thought Andrew Daly would have been a better Mr. McFeely. I was just like, Andrew Daly belongs in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. If he looks like he walked out of it in the first place, like he should be in this movie somewhere. <laughs> but there was no sort of like, there There wasn't anything where I was like, oh, what is that? Um, I, I'd said it before, and unfortunately, I'm going to have to say it again. Like, I just don't like Hanks as Mr. Rogers. It's just creeping me out. It's just like, there's something about it. There's something uncanny about it um, in sort of the Polar Express vein, where I just don't see there's something missing. Like, I'm not making that connection. I wish I was making that connection, but I just think Hanks is too much of a personality and Mr. Rogers is too much of a personality in my mind that, like, I can't have one play the other. And I remember watching it in trailers being like, maybe I'll get used to this. Maybe this will, like, by halfway through the movie, I'll buy it. But unfortunately, you know, the movie came and went, and I think he did his best. I just don't think he was the right man for the job. So... I hate to say that, but that's how I feel. Oof. I mean, there's no there's no lower blow in a podcast like this than that. I do. The last person who was expecting to say that or feel that way, but I can't come on here and lie about it. You know what I mean? Like I get it. 
it, and it and it's kind of groundbreaking to be like Hanks is the worst thing in this movie as far as and it's not that he's bad or the worst thing it's just for me I couldn't stop getting kind of like weirded out by it yeah I'm trying to think of something in particular like I don't think there's I, I don't feel as strongly negatively strongly about anything in particular as I feel like that and not that that's like wildly anti Hanks or anti Mr. Rogers but there's nothing about this that I like if you changed I would love I just I think I just need to come to terms with what this movie is like I think that maybe I don't want to say tonally it doesn't work for me because again like, I gave it three and a half stars on Letterboxd not that that means anything to anybody but like I like this movie I enjoy this movie it's just kind of strange I feel like maybe it's too short or maybe the turnaround is too sudden i don't enjoy watching matthew reese's absolute nihilism the first like hour of the movie and then suddenly he's just like oh yeah like i love my father or like i'm making it work it's just like it feels kind of sudden and whether it's supposed to be a passing of time or passage of time or whatever i don't know but i feel like there's a lot to reconcile between the two halves and i don't know like i don't think the beginning is enjoyable to watch parts of it like i think that he's so it's so bleak which I know is the point. And then I don't know that the end is satisfying because it feels too kind of like too Mr. Rogers happy ending. And I like individual parts, I think. And I like performances and I like things here and there. Like, I would recommend this movie, but also be like, maybe don't. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it also feels like a movie that doesn't need Mr. Rogers in it, quite frankly. Like, this is just a family drama, like, a, you know, that can go about on its own with its own terms if it needed to. I, I hear all that, though, too. Like, I, I feel the tonal problems here. I think it's, here's the thing, like, you kind of, by virtue of Mr. Rogers being in your film as a character, you want to kind of be able to take the whole family to go see this, whatever it is. And I kind of feel like this isn't for the whole family. Like, you know, a guy's punching his dad in the face and yeah. like, all that kind of shit. And it's just like, no, like it's too opposite. There's, it's, it goes too dark for what it needs to be. But I think there are moments in here, like there's the restaurant scene where he's like, let's just be quiet for a moment. And the entire restaurant goes quiet. And like he just stares at the camera. And this was something that apparently in the script was just like a regular moment. And then Mariel Heller was like, no, we're going to focus on this. And there's something magic. And I remember Tobin talking about this on the episode of The Contenders about like what it must have felt like to see this in theaters and just like have Tom Hanks staring at you. But I feel like when we talked about on the post with just that slow push in, he's not looking at you. He's looking at Meryl Streep or whoever he's looking at, right? But like there's something about him able to capture the frame like i don't know who this is for but i think that there's things in here for everybody to enjoy and you know whether you're looking for hank's stuff or mr rogers stuff or journalism stuff i guess there's good stuff in here it's just it's a strange recommendation it, it is first and foremost a movie about journalism though or a journalist i'll say like if you're into the post and all that kind of thing too like i could see you being uh, more into this on that level uh kind of than anything else or like how to do an expose like how to get close to your assignment like that how that's how it sort of comes across more as yeah 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 do you have any other thoughts any other notes about a beautiful day in the neighborhood i, I probably have a little bit more trivia i want to i want to relook through it but anything else you want to share any other scenes that you loved or didn't like or moments or characters or anything uh no you know like i gave it a pretty good score as well like i know i'm kind of coming across sounding kind of negative about the movie but that's just because we're at the end of hanks and it's you know, he did kind of throw me, though, in this. It is kind of weird. But, like, it's really not as bad as I'm complaining about. Like, I do think that there is, uh, you know, that people will... And people like this movie. I think that it's, you know, it's out there. I think people like it. People will have less of a problem with Hanks as Mr. Rogers than I do. I guarantee. 
Yeah, yeah. No, because I don't have a problem with him. And I've seen things that say, like I've seen, I've read reviews that say, I think that they think Hanks is great as Mr. Rogers and no one else is on par. So I can see like kind of the opposite. I don't know. I think it's a worthwhile opinion though, because I feel like, especially given the podcast, you have strong opinions about Tom Hanks for multiple reasons, both analytically and also just like the movies, like growing up watching him on screen, but also same with Mr. Rogers. Like it's kind of hard to, again, reconcile the two. It's a, it's a weird blend sometimes. Like if it doesn't, if it doesn't hit, it doesn't hit. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like a totally new thing that I wasn't expecting to have like a conflict with either, which in and of itself was kind of interesting and, and made it a little more, you know, interesting to watch the movie being like, how do I reconcile all this in my head while I'm watching this movie? I can't just go with it. Okay. Maybe the, maybe talking about it on the podcast will help a little bit it has yeah i do want to say i liked uh, enrico colantoni as bill eisler he's like the not the driver but he drives mr rogers at the end he's the one who does the handshake handoff pass off whatever they call it uh, he plays veronica mars's dad plays kristen bell's dad on veronica mars so i think he's great i think he's great in this too i always like to see him i think a lot of people are good i, I especially liked him i especially liked him with tom hanks but yeah trivia fred rogers was known to be extremely difficult to interview because he cared more about the person interviewing him than he did about being interviewed and would often use the time to befriend the person interviewing him which sounds wonderful but when you're a journalist on a deadline or a nihilistic journalist like matthew reese's character here it's like guy just answer the questions (laughs) well it's also like you see how much he holds up production just to you know not to do not to just slack off or anything. I mean, he is meeting with sick children, but like they're like, we're 75 minutes behind, you know? Uh, but I did love how Mr. Rogers, and I think this was true, how he'll just sort of like, people are like, it's messed up. It doesn't look great. He's like, no, this is good. Like, go with it. And not everything needs to be perfect. I thought that was nice. Yeah. Fred Rogers' widow, Joanne Rogers, says Tom Hanks is the perfect actor to play Fred, which I think is a nice thing to say. But also, again, like, if you want somebody to play you in a movie, like... Tom Hanks said playing Mr. Rogers was, quote, terrifying because of Mr. Rogers' immense influence. He credited Joanne Rogers with helping to craft an honest and believable representation, which I think is pretty cool. Apparently, the most difficult thing about playing Mr. Rogers was slowing down his dialogue to catch the patter of Mr. Rogers. Because he speaks so slowly, but apparently he would do, like, meditation and relaxation exercises to get down. I guess kind of to Brad Pitt add Astra's heart rate down and just, like, calm down. I don't know how, I don't know, what not heart That's rate, cool. but just, like, kind of, like, center himself. But then apparently between takes or whatever, he would, like, be drinking coffee and being back to, like, the yappy Tom Hanks again. I've seen, like, Mr. Rogers testify. I've seen a lot of interviews with him. He wasn't always that slow. Like, I think he took it a little too far, but what do I know? <laughs> Mr. Rogers wasn't, like, a snail the way he talked all the time, but but this Mr. Rogers is. It's like, hi there, <laughs> neighbor. I'm like, ah, keep talking. <laughs> Yeah. This is the ninth time that Tom Hanks has played a real-life person, and his son, Colin Hanks, also played Mr. Rogers in an episode of Drunk History, where Mr. Rogers spoke before a Senate committee to fund federal funding. Drunk History episode Underdogs, Colin Hanks played Mr. Rogers. We got two generation of Hankses playing Mr. Rogers. I wonder if Chet will ever don the sweater and sneakers. I don't think so. And the last thing I want to say is that Matthew Reese says Sally Field is his best friend and mentor, which is a wonderful and weird combination. And Tom Hanks played her son in Forrest Gump. Yeah, and her rival maybe love interest in Punchline. Remember Punchline? I do, I do. Singing in the rain. Oof, boy. <laughs> Let's not talk about Punchline. All right. Could Tom Cruise play Mr. 
Rogers. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> like, no way, I don't even want to think about this. Wait a minute. That is a scary thought. No. He could play Mr. McFeely, though, the uh, mailman, for sure. Put a big bushy mustache on him, bleach his hair, give him those, those glass, those Coke bottle glasses. Perfect. I mean, I think he'd play Lloyd Vogel, too. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah, yeah. He that wouldn't... would be a good opportunity mm. to get Cruz and Hanks on screen together. Yeah, I was getting uh, kind of a Cruzy vibe from him at times with his anger and stuff. Yeah. And then I think the maybe the most obvious question we've ever asked on the show <laughs> is Tom Hanks America's dad as Mr. Rogers. Yeah. 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 No doubt. I do want to say that he was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. He did not win, though. Uh, I want to see what I want to see who beat him. I did yeah, not that was that just last year. year. That was the award. Oh yeah. I, okay. So we could probably even think about it without looking it up. Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time, right? Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Good job. I don't know. As soon as you said we could probably think of it, that's the first movie that came to my mind. Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time, also up against Al Pacino and The Irishman, Anthony Hopkins and The Two Popes. Uh, Duncachino and Joe Pesci in The Irishman. Yeah, hey, I rewatched The Irishman. I liked it way more the second time, just because I that we were talking in this episode about rewatching stuff and yeah. liking it more. So like, definitely used to the digital face makeup in that movie. Much easier the second time around. Not as easy to get used to the Robert De Niro physically kicking someone when he's a young guy, but actually still eighty-year-old Robert De Niro. You mean the Frankenstein's monster moment? That is my favorite. That's, I mean, ironically, my favorite moment of the whole movie. Yeah, it's so bad. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, I can, I'm buying the makeup. And then he does that. I'm like, why, why, who let, what? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. The Woody's, the Tom Hanks Awards, the best and the worst of Tom Hanks' filmography. Best film, worst film. We got rid of best of the worst. Best film or worst film? I'm going to say no. No, for me, it's like right down the middle. It's weird. Yeah. Like the weirdness is what kind of oversold it for me, to be quite honest with you. If it didn't have the whimsy of Mr. Rogers in there, I don't think it would, I, I would have enjoyed it as much. Okay. It still could have been a movie, but I wouldn't have enjoyed it. Best Hank's role. Do you think that Mr. Rogers is one of his best roles? You know where I land on this. Sorry, but nay for me. I can't help it. Here's a better question, and maybe, I mean, the answer might still be no for you. Is it a most wasted Hank's performance? Do you think if you got more Hank's as Mr. Rogers, would that have been better or would that have been worse? No, I don't think it would have been better. I think if you're going <laughs> to do, I'm sorry, I'm just got to be blunt honest right now, because like if you're going to do the Mr. Rogers whole movie, like just do the documentary as a narrative, you got to get like the same, like get Mark Rylance over here, like get that. That guy in a sweater take off the glasses and then you're just you're done you're good to go so that's how i feel about that best ensemble no probably not no best fight believe it or not mr rogers does not get into a fight in this movie he does not dance he does not party best outfit wardrobe is the mr rogers sweater hmm is that iconic I mean, it's as iconic as Fozzie's jacket, so maybe just by virtue of being the sweater, like, it's like the Batman uniform, like, it just makes the man in a way, I guess. (laughs) I'm not nominated. We've been nominating so many things, but after the next episode, after we do Greyhound, we're gonna have to whittle this down, so we'll figure it out before too long. Best death, Mr. Rogers has passed away, but he does not die in the movie, thank God, that would be, be like, hey, this weird movie also ends with him dying. It's like, wait, what? Like, it's the funeral, and it's not 
the Chris Cooper's character. It's <laughs> Mr. Rogers. And you're like, what? Oh, my God. Best line or best freak out? There's one line. I don't want to nominate it, but I want to make note of it where he says, I couldn't imagine eating anything with a mother. And that's such like a Mr. Rogers line. I forgot that he was a vegetarian. I don't want to nominate that, but is there any line or, you know, I don't think he freaks out again at Astro Heart Rate, but. <laughs> so I don't want to nominate this, but he does, in fact, freak out because all movie he's talking about what you can do when you're angry to sort of deal with your emotions. And at one point he's like, you could bang on the piano keys really, really hard. Bang, bang. And at the end of the movie, the last shot of him is him playing piano by himself. And it's like a very little beautiful melody. And then suddenly he just goes, bang, bang, bang. And he sits there and I was like, oh, Mr. Rogers pissed about something. And then he just goes back to playing doodly-dee, doodly-doo. So I was like, that's a freak out, but we're not not nominating it. (laughs) Dark. So dark. Best music? I mean, it's great. It's iconic Mr. Rogers piano stuff. I really like that kind of stuff. Like, it's unmistakably Mr. Rogers' music, right? So yes or no? I can't tell, because it's not, you know... I mean, what the heck? It's probably going to get cut down anyway. At this point, we're at the last two episodes of movies. I'm not going to... Yeah, fair. I'm just going to... I'm going to be brutal. Best or worst Hank's love story? I think that he's got a great relationship with Joanne, but it's not at all the center of this, so I don't think we should nominate it. And then best non-Hank's actor, male or female? Matthew Reese, I think, is great, but he's not enjoyable. And I don't know that he's going to compare to the other people on the list, so I'm going to just say no. Right. It was good to see Chris Cooper in stuff again. I can't remember the last time I saw him, but I love that actor. I think he's extremely versatile and, you know, fuck fish. That's a big, big line from Adaptation, so... Mm. So just one nomination just one nomination best outfit wardrobe and it's not even his just like lifted right it's the same thing as the music kind of but still hanks in that sweater it looks pretty good i mean i know that he's not your hashtag not my mr rogers but (laughs) um okay mike next episode the final movie amazing we've got greyhound this year's apple tv plus movie apple tv plus release one more tom hanks movie and we're done but then we're not done with the show because we've got at least five more episodes after that Right. Stay tuned. There's a lot more to come, but we've only got one more movie. We're almost done. We've almost done it. It's crazy. I can't believe we're finally here. Like, I never would have thought I would have heard myself say, I can't believe we're finally done with this, because I was having a great time up until recently. It was just like that punch of Dan Brown and then the dude who writes The Circle and Hologram for a King. I'm just like, this is... Dave Eggers, yep. Dave, I'm just like the double whammy of those guys and their movies just really put me out of it. But I'm ready. I think it's the universe punishing you for bailing on book club for third times. They're like, we're going to make you follow these (laughs) terrible adaptations of literature. I thought I was pleasing the universe by by doing that. But apparently the old ones are angry. And uh, I got to go start reading more novelizations. All right. I don't know if that's a lesson to learn here, but maybe it is. I don't know. (laughs) I just go read good books. That's, I think, the lesson to learn. Yes, that's that's a better answer. Yeah, just just go read, you know, Catch-22 again. Well, for all things Hanks for the Memories, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, hanks at cageclub.me. Come back next week for Greyhound. We have five episodes after that, including some special stuff that you do know about and you don't know about. So you, the listener, but also you, maybe Mike Manzi. I don't know. I don't know. We've got five more episodes after Greyhound, so we got some cool stuff coming up. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time right here on Hanks for the Memories.
never met anyone like you in my entire life. 